Church, would you guys pray with me as we get started? God, I am so thankful for, um, God, for your love for us, for the way that you just overwhelm us with uh, the grace and the, the kindness that you show to us. God, we're so thankful for uh, your love this morning. And uh, God, as we open up your word and, and hear uh, from you this morning, God, we pray that you would speak. God, that you would use this uh, encounter between Elizabeth and Mary that we're going to look at today. And uh, God, just help us to... God, to see what you have for us today. Uh, God, help us to to understand you and your word better, but God, also uh, help us to, uh, God, to not just be people who hear what it says or, or understand what it says, but God, help us to, to live it out practically. This week's message is so practical for us, and uh, God, I, I pray that we would live it out as we go about life this week. So, uh, God, we give this time to you, and we pray that you would speak and that you would use it. Uh, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we come to you. Amen. Well, guys, <clears throat> we are a few weeks into our study in Luke now. Uh, just to catch you guys up, a, a little review if you guys have uh, missed a week or are just joining us for the first time. We have uh, been studying Luke for a few weeks now, and uh, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, uh, in the first few verses we looked at it, is written uh, Luke is writing the story of Jesus to a guy named Theophilus, and uh, Theophilus is a Gentile. He's not a Jewish person. He's not uh, traditionally from the family of God, the, the Jewish people, and Luke is writing to him about Jesus and about how uh, Jesus came so that people uh, like, like Theophilus, Gentiles, could be saved and could know that they can have a relationship with God too. And so uh, this whole gospel is going to tell us the story of who Jesus is, and it tells us from that lens. And so uh, as Luke kind of jumps in and really starts the story of who Jesus is, he starts uh, not with a grown-up Jesus, not even with a baby Jesus, but he starts before uh, Jesus is ever born. And he starts with these couple of stories that we've seen. Uh, a few weeks ago, we saw a story of a priest, Zechariah, who uh, was told by an angel, and angel Gabriel came and told him that uh, he and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a son. Now, that was a supernatural uh, bit of news because uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah were old. They were well past their childbearing years, and uh, they had been barren. They had been praying for a child for years and years, and uh, they hadn't they hadn't had one. And uh, God, in this miraculous revelation, uh, tells Elizabeth that she's going to have a child, even in her old age. And then last week, uh, we looked at a story uh, equally miraculous, but kind of on the other end of the spectrum, because uh, in Luke 1, 26 through 38, we see uh, the story of that same angel, Gabriel, coming about six months later to uh, visit with a young girl named Mary. And uh, Mary was uh, engaged to be married, but she was a young girl. She was inexperienced. She uh, there was there was no way that this young virgin Mary could have had a child. But uh, God, through sending Gabriel, comes and and tells this young girl that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah, the the rescuing hero that uh, the people of Israel had been waiting for for years and years. Uh, was finally going to come, and he was going to come through uh, this innocent young girl, Mary. So uh, all of those stories 
Luke starts this story of the gospel, this big book of uh, telling Theophilus who Jesus is and the story of Jesus. He starts with uh, the story of these two miraculous births, these two miraculous children that are going to be born and the way that God worked in the lives of their mothers. And so now what we're going to look at this week uh, is the story of how those two mothers come together and, and spend a little bit of time together. So uh, these two women in the verses that we're going to look at, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. So make sure you find your way there. We're going to look at those in just a minute. Uh, but these two women, when they come together, they erupt with joy. This is such a, a cool little uh, moment in the gospel where uh, they're joyful, not just because both of them are having babies, but uh, they're joyful because the Lord has shown them favor, because God has worked in supernatural ways in both of their lives. And uh, they have been informed by the angel that uh, God is doing uh, some incredible work in them and through them uh, in their children. So uh, their joy that they have, uh, the joy uh, is a, a theme that we see throughout Luke, but uh, the joy that they experience comes from the Lord. So let's look together. We're, we're looking at a short passage this week, so we're just going to read the whole thing and then go back and, and dig into it a little bit at a time. So uh, grab your Bible and read with me. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. It says, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. This, this simple event, this little uh, moment, possesses uh, seemingly very little significance uh, on the surface. As we read it, uh, it feels like part of the story that you could just kind of brush by, but for Luke, this is a major literary moment. It's a major literary bridge because uh, two major characters in the gospel of Luke are being introduced to one another in this moment. Uh, symbolically, uh, John the Baptist and Jesus, the, the Messiah, are uh, being introduced to each other through their mothers. And uh, John the Baptist is described as a prophet. He's described as the forerunner who's going to go in front of the Messiah and prepare the way for the Messiah. So John the Baptist, even as a prophet in the womb, starts pointing to Jesus as we see in these verses, just like uh, verses 15 through 17 earlier in this chapter uh, described that he would. So uh, let's look first at just the first couple of verses at, at 39 and 40 and see <clears throat> a section that uh, has a couple of things that we need to stop and note. Uh, verses 39 and 40 uh, talk about how Mary uh, arose after Gabriel shared the news that she was going to, to have a baby. Uh, she arises quickly and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And uh, it says here, very matter-of-factly, she got up and she went in a hurry uh, to this town in Judah. But what we see here is Mary made hasty arrangements. She uh, hurried up and, and packed up her things. I suspect everything wasn't neatly folded in her suitcase. She, she, she threw some stuff in the bag. 
uh, maybe told her parents what she was doing. Um, we don't know. And off she goes. And she makes this 80 to 100 mile trek from Nazareth to the countryside of Judea uh, in what would normally be a three to four day journey. She makes it, it tells us she makes this trip quickly. And her haste, her, her hurry, uh, indicates an eagerness. She's excited. She could not wait to get there. After uh, the angel had come and, and told her all that was going to happen with her and shared that Elizabeth, her relative, was also going to have a child, uh, she couldn't wait to get there to do uh, what God had told her to do, to go and to see in, in trusting faith, <clears throat> see her uh, relative Elizabeth, who was also uh, going to have a child. So I think if we just slow down and stop here and reflect on what's actually happening, I think there's a great example for us in these verses that we see. Uh, if you're anything like me, I think we often have a tendency to procrastinate, to, to put things off, uh, things that we could do now that we should do now. We, we put them off. We uh, wait for another time. We make excuses about why we're too tired or uh, there's no way that we could do that today. We'll, we'll wait and take that uh, project on tomorrow. Why we'll obey tomorrow. We always make excuses. But uh, Mary, we see in these verses, she obeyed God immediately and it was with a, an excitement. She was she was joyful about this opportunity to go and to see what the angel had told her was true. So uh, this is not a begrudging submission. This is not something where she just uh, hangs her head and kicks rocks all the way to Judea. Uh, she is excited and joyful about this opportunity. And what we see here is a reflection of a very important reality for all of us to remember. Because what we see here from Mary is, is something that we have to acknowledge in our lives as well. The way that we view God dictates how we obey. See, let me, let me explain what I mean. Uh, if we view God as someone who is just a, a, a supernatural, the, the big guy in the sky type of a thing that, that some people view God as, um, that is going to mean that we view God and view God's rules and view God's commandments and view the way that he tells us to live as something that we should do, but we're not necessarily excited about doing. Uh, I, in my mind, I kind of compare it to uh, dieting or exercise or any of the other uh, habits and disciplines that we know are good for us, but uh, let's get real. Most of us would rather just go eat the cheeseburger and french fries and, and not hold to the diet, right? Uh, so when we view God as someone that uh, we're just we're supposed to obey him, we're supposed to do what he tells us to do, much of the time that's reflected in the way that we obey. Uh, we kind of view our obedience to God as a, yeah, I know I'm supposed to, so I guess I'll go. Uh, I guess I'll go join a community group. I guess I'll go uh, love my husband or my wife or my kids or uh, share the gospel with my neighbor. I guess I'll invite somebody to church. Like I know they're all good things that I'm supposed to do, so I guess I'm supposed to go do them. When we view God that way, that's our response. When we view God as a a loving and providing father for us, someone who loves us the way that those first couple of songs that we sang this morning, that when we view God as someone who loves us that way, 
man, it, it changes the way that we respond because now we're not responding as someone who, yeah, I know I'm supposed to. Like when we acknowledge and realize that what God wants for us is not to keep fun things from us. God doesn't tell us don't do that in scripture because uh, it's something that we're going to have a lot of fun and, and God just wants to bully us somehow. God is protecting us from things. God is uh, telling us the best way to live and uh, the the most joyful, fulfilling, uh, best possible way that we could live this life is by living it the way that God tells us to. And so when we read the scriptures, we, we read it and we see things and we go, oh, I figured it out. I'm going to go do that, not because I have to, but because I get to, because God's telling me he's my good father and he wants what's best for me. And if I live life the way he tells me to, man, it's going to be so much more awesome than uh, me just trying to figure it out for myself. So uh, what we see here is not begrudging, grumpy submission to someone because we have to obey it's like a, a child on Christmas morning where we, we get excited about uh, the potential for, for what lies ahead. And so uh, just like Mary got excited and ran to obey what God had told her and, and ran to see uh, her relative Elizabeth that the angel had told her was also with child, uh, we should look forward to obeying God in that same way. Obedience brings blessing. Obedience brings joy. O obedience, living the way that God tells us to, is the most fulfilling way that we can live life. And if we will view God correctly, that he's not a, a big bully guy in the sky, he's a loving father that, that wants what's best for us, then we get to trust him and we get to do what he tells us to do and live the way that he tells us to live and we get to do it with excitement. So we see this joyous, excited hurry where Mary rushes to Judea to, to visit with her uh, relative, to, to visit with Elizabeth. And now let's look at verses 41 through 44 and see uh, how that exchange all kind of happens and takes place. Let's read those verses again. Uh, it says in verse 41, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy." says here in, in verse 41, and then she says it again in verse 44, uh, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby inside of her leapt in the womb. The sense here is that even uh, before Elizabeth could turn around and respond to Mary's greeting, Mary's still uh, standing in the doorway, and Elizabeth, she just, she hears Mary's greeting, and the baby jumps inside of her. Even before Elizabeth could respond, John, John the Baptist, the, the prophet that God was sending to prepare the way for Jesus uh, to come and to minister. Uh, that prophet is already responding uh, to the good news of the presence of the Messiah. See, it's it's customary for us, uh, if I asked most of you, if you asked me, honestly, before we started looking at this and, and thinking about this, uh, it's normal for us to think that uh, Peter is actually the first one to confess that uh, Jesus is the Christ. Uh, we see that in Luke chapter 9. The other Gospels talk about it as well. But that's that's several pages down the line. That's several years down the line still. Uh, actually, the first person to confess that Jesus is 
the Christ, that he is uh, the Lord, the, the Savior, the Messiah who's coming, uh, the first person to acknowledge that to Mary is uh, actually Elizabeth, uh, who confesses that Jesus is Lord here in verse 43, when she says, how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? So why, why is that important? Why is that significant? See, Elizabeth knew what was going on supernaturally. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Elizabeth knew what was going on supernaturally uh, before Mary even had an opportunity to explain. Uh, it tells us in verse 41 that uh, the baby leapt inside of Elizabeth and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Elizabeth is uh, there going about her day with a prophet living inside of her. And this was his first prophecy. When he jumped at Mary's presence, when uh, he went about proclaiming and, and, and expressing excitement uh, that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming, uh, John the Baptist's ministry began three months before he ever uh, entered into the world as, a, as an outside-of-mama uh, person. The Holy Spirit uh, is described in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to be especially on John the Baptist, that he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit that was, that was uh, living uh, in John the Baptist, that was, uh, as verse 41 talks about, filling Elizabeth, it is the Holy Spirit that prompts this recognition, this excitement, this joy that has come. So while Elizabeth was the first to verbally confess that Jesus was the Christ, it seems like even, you know, we, we said, well, Peter was the first, and then I argued that Elizabeth was the first, and really it seems like John the Baptist was uh, the first to acknowledge the deity of Christ and, and his role as the Messiah. But I want us to stop here for just a second and, and slow down and realize a, a very important and a very clear uh, point that the, these verses make. This person, John the Baptist, this baby, uh, even while he's still living inside of his mother's womb, uh, he spoke to uh, the deity of Jesus. He acknowledged and knew that Jesus was there and that Jesus was special and that, and that he expressed that joy in his leap inside of his mother's womb. Uh, you see, this passage, these verses, these, these chapters that we're looking at as it talks about uh, pre-born Jesus and, and pre-born John the Baptist uh, are a testimony that, that you can't argue with. The Bible is very clear that even before birth, uh, these fetuses, these, these uh, little people are actually people. They are persons, they are valued by God, they are uh, created by God and are special. They're, they're individuals even before they are born. And while uh, many people in our society, many people in our world, if you uh, go to certain corners of the internet or you uh, have a conversation with enough people on the street, you're going to find people that, that want to make the argument that, that these are just lumps of tissue, that, that these uh, babies before they're born are just an inconvenience and that they can be terminated or exterminated or uh, gotten rid of without any sort of consequence. But at six months old, John the Baptist, uh, six months uh, post-conception, uh, 
John the Baptist is about nine inches long by that point. Uh, he weighed probably around a pound and a half. Uh, he had fingerprints and toe prints and had emotions as we can see here in these verses. Uh, he looked like a perfect miniature newborn uh, by that time. And he was a conscious person. He was someone who was able to prophesy at the presence of Jesus, who was even just a, a, a few days old, just a, a small, microscopic little baby at that point, John the Baptist was able to testify. And as Elizabeth experienced this joy in her soul, this prophetic spirit broke out in her. Uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, it tells us that Elizabeth affirmed Mary's incredible secret, which Mary hadn't even had time to tell her yet. It says that when Mary arrives, that she uh, gets excited, that John the Baptist in her womb gets excited, and uh, that she responds to Mary with this double blessing, that she responds that Mary is blessed among women and that her just conceived son in her womb was also blessed. These uh, few cells that Jesus was at that point uh, were blessed, and Mary hadn't even had the opportunity to tell Elizabeth that she was pregnant yet. See, uh, this remark that uh, the Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth, that uh, it, it's essential, it's crucial for us because it indicates that her remarks, it, it indicates that her emotions, that John's response, that they're all directed by God, that God is the one who is weaving supernaturally this story uh, as uh, these two ladies uh, get together and and squeal and jump and are excited and do all of the things that, that I can only imagine that they did as they were thrilled to have the opportunity to spend time together and to, to celebrate what God was doing in their life. Let's look now at verse 45. Verse 45 talks a little bit more about Mary and it, it says that, uh, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. In order for us to understand these words that uh, Elizabeth is declaring about Mary, uh, she concludes this, this little section uh, with a, a formal official beatitude. Blessed is the person who, and, and we see uh, Jesus talk about blessed is, blessed is, blessed is in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. Well, Elizabeth is, is sharing one of those Beatitudes here when she said, Blessed is, is the one who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. In order for us to, to really catch uh, the weight of what's going on here, though, I, I want to remind you guys of something that maybe we've missed or, or forgotten about uh, since we saw him a couple of weeks ago. You remember that Zechariah by this point, see, John still hasn't been born yet. So Zechariah, when he heard from the angel Gabriel that he was going to have a child, that he and Elizabeth were going to have a son, he doubted. And in that doubt, Gabriel struck him mute. He wasn't able to speak for the entirety of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the entire time that John the Baptist was uh, in his mother's womb, his father was uh, unable to speak. And so as Zechariah and Elizabeth are hanging out at the house and, and Mary comes and, and comes to visit with them, we see, we, we hear uh, from the words of Mary and Elizabeth sitting there talking and sharing with one another and Elizabeth's comment to Mary. But Zechariah was probably 
uh, there as well. He was probably within earshot. And so as we look at these words, uh, we have to remember that Zechariah, the mute guy who wasn't able to speak because uh, he had doubted and hadn't trusted what God said was going to happen, he hears these words from his wife spoken to Mary. Elizabeth's piercing beatitude, it plays off of Zechariah's failure. Because when she said, blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her, that, that it will be accomplished, uh, she's also she, she's celebrating Mary's faith. The Holy Spirit through Elizabeth is celebrating Mary's faith. But it's also a resonating uh, slap on the back of the head for Zechariah that, uh, hey, this young girl trusted what God had to say and believed and had faith and was excited to rush here to spend time with us. Meanwhile, you're sitting over there quiet in the corner because you can't speak because God's punishing you for your lack of trust, for your lack of faith, for your uh, lack of believing what God said would happen and and his doubts. So uh, Mary and Elizabeth illustrate uh, this amazing uh, picture uh, of how Mary trusted what God had to say, even though Zechariah perhaps didn't. Uh, we also see here in these verses, it, it describes Mary as blessed because she believed what was spoken to her. But I think there's four key words that bring clarity to Mary's response so far that we want to pause and look at here briefly for just a minute. See, Mary, the the mother of Jesus, she modeled a faith for the church, a faith that realized that the birth of Jesus in her life, it, it fostered discipleship in her. It fostered a response in her to God in, in, in growth. Uh, discipleship, being a disciple, just meant learning to to be more what you're supposed to be. Disciples would follow after a master and, and learn how they lived and learn how they did something. And it wasn't just a, a following God idea. There would be uh, disciples of carpenters or disciples of fishermen or disciples of any trade. They, w- they would go and they would follow a master and learn how to do what they did. And uh, Mary uh, is uh, learning and growing as a disciple. She's learning in her faith as she has uh, these wonderful people around her and Gabriel coming to share this news with her and, and God working in her life. And what we see here, this, this statement that I found as I was studying this week, I feel like it summarizes Mary's uh, progression to this moment well. It says that saving faith is belief plus trust that results in a calm dependence on Christ, and then flaming into activity and producing a life of service. These four words, pondering and considering these four words, belief, trust, dependence, and activity, uh, will bring uh, a grace and the, the Lord's work into our souls as we consider them this morning, I hope and pray. First, belief. Do you believe without qualification that Jesus is God? Mary believed, she, she absolutely believed in her mind and in her heart the things that uh, the angel had said to her. And, and we have to answer that same question as well. Do we believe the truth of what God has revealed to us? That, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is a real person that, that lived a perfect life, that died on a cross to pay for our sins with his own blood. 
Do you believe that he was physically resurrected as we talked about a few weeks ago on Easter? And do you believe deeply in the, in the core of who you are? Do you trust that that actually uh, happened? The, the second word, trust, uh, is if you believe the things that I just said, have you trusted in Jesus alone to save you? Have you rested everything, all of your hope, is, is everything resting in Jesus and him alone to save you? See, saving faith uh, is belief. We, we have to believe that it's true, but we also have to trust. It's, it's something that we can't just say that we believe. It's something that has to be lived out, and we don't get to have uh, escape routes. We don't get to have a lifeboat hanging on the side just in case Jesus doesn't pan out for us. We have to believe and trust fully. We put all of our hope, uh, the, the, we, we bet it all on Jesus because Jesus is the one who is able to save us from sin and from the punishment that we all deserve. The next thing that we see in this progression is a calm dependence. True faith, uh, truly believing and trusting in Jesus results in a calm dependence. You stop seeking God's approval. You stop trying to earn your salvation, earn God's favor through doing enough good things. All of the other religious systems in the world, uh, pick one. They, they all have this system of how you need to be good enough, do enough good things, that, that you've got to be a good person. And hopefully many, many people have this picture of a, a giant cosmic scale. That you got to make sure that the good things on this side of the scale balance out the bad things on that side of the scale. That hopefully I've I've been good enough that that I've been religious enough that I've done enough wonderful things for other people that that I'm a good person that that my good outweighs my bad. But the the calm dependence that comes through believing that Jesus is God and trusting in Him alone for our salvation, as we see witnessed so clearly from Mary. She believed what God said. She trusted it enough that it made a difference in the way that she acted. It requires a calm dependence in us. It creates a calm dependence in us. As Ephesians chapter 2 talks about, it says that it is by grace that we are saved, that it's not anything that we did to earn it, that it is simply because God is good and because he felt like loving us. It says, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not anything that you've done, not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast or brag about it. So we see in those verses, we see that our, our salvation, our relationship with the Lord is something that we have to believe that Jesus really was who history says that he was, that he really did what history says that he did when he went, lived as a real man, and died on the cross and was resurrected. We have to put our trust in that, that we trust fully and completely. We are saved by God's grace alone through faith alone. And if we put our belief and we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, it, it creates a calm dependence in us, that it's not that we have to earn our salvation. It's not that we've got to tilt the favor of God towards, well, we're a good person. But it also uh, results in godly activity. It results in something that, uh, as, as James talks about, as other places in Scripture talk about, 
our faith, our belief, our relationship with the Lord that I've just described here in those first few words, uh, it, it demands work. It, it demands obedience. Uh, if God has given us as much as we believe that he's given us, as much as the Bible tells us that he's given us, the only reasonable response that we have to that is to live a life of gratitude towards that and to live in a way that uh, if, if we truly understand it, if we truly believe it, we have to live and, and give Jesus everything that we have to give. Every opportunity that I have uh, should be should be living the way that God wants me to live, should be giving him glory and, and not trying to, to point uh, attention, to, to try to point glory to myself. Uh, the, the best way I've heard it explained, it's a, it's a simple analogy, but it's something that, that should resonate with us in this. If you were, uh, had, your, had your earbuds in, your noise-canceling headphones in, and you were uh, getting ready to walk across the street and were getting ready to walk in front of a vehicle, and someone grabs you and, and saves your life, either pushes you out of the way or, or grabs you and pulls you off the road, you're going you're gonna to view that person differently, aren't you? doesn't matter if that person was a friend or an enemy before that moment. You're going to have an appreciation for that person, for what they did in saving you. Maybe you try to, to, to give them gifts or to tell them thank you in, in extravagant ways. Maybe you just, your disposition towards them has changed. But your, your outlook towards that person is going to be different after they save you from that bus or that car or whatever it was that you were about to walk out in front of. If Jesus has saved us from eternal punishment, from the punishment that I deserve and that you deserve, and uh, has, has offered freely to us salvation and a relationship with God and uh, the, the glories of heaven that we can share in with him, and all of the incredible promises that God gives to us in the scriptures. If, if Jesus has offered us all of those things and has made salvation available to us, Shouldn't we live differently because of it? People who, who just say, well, I, I'll take the free gift, but I don't want to do any of the stuff that God tells me to do. Guys, it's, it's not an obligation. It's what I was talking about earlier. If we view God as a bully and, and someone who's just trying to keep good things from us, then we're going to respond negatively towards that. But if we understand that God loves us and, and saved us and uh, has given his only son, Jesus, for us, that should change the way that we respond to him. We should respond to him in obedience and we should do it joyfully because we know that his way is best. We know that because he loved us so much, the only reasonable response that I have is to love him back. All right. Uh, I got a little bit off track there, but I think that was good stuff and it was from the Lord. So uh, as we finish up our uh, passage here with uh, Mary and Elizabeth and their visit, we've moved through this account where uh, virtually every line of this story so far, since we've seen Mary introduced uh, just a few verses earlier, has added to the beauty of Mary's simple obedience. At, at every turn, Mary uh, was... Uh, just a human girl. She, she wasn't uh, supernaturally God or, or any of the things that people try to make her out to be, but she was an incredible example for us. She was uh, obedient. She trusted the Lord. She believed what the angel told her and did. Uh, she, she offered everything that she had. 
as she said in the passages last week that we were looking at uh, in Luke 1 38 it says behold I am the slave of the Lord let it be as you have said to me so uh, as as she says those words God whatever it is that you want for me I'm your willing servant we see this beautiful picture of Mary being willing to obey. And, and next week's study is actually going to continue to build on that picture of uh, Mary's obedience and her uh, the, the beauty of who she was as a person. But there's something else of immense beauty here that I think we have to stop and pause and, and realize. And that is God's care for Mary and the way that he took care of her in giving her Elizabeth. See, Elizabeth was... Just an incredible gift to Mary. Elizabeth's profound belief in uh, what had happened in Mary's womb, even before Mary was able to describe all of the story of how Gabriel had come to her, Elizabeth knew and affirmed and believed what had happened. Her blessing of Mary as Mary came and visited with her, her acknowledgement that Mary was carrying the Lord, and her beatitude regarding Mary's faith, the, the, the blessing that she spoke over Mary for her faithfulness. It had to have just been a a tender ointment, a tender balm for Mary's heart and for her soul as all of this incredible stuff is happening to this young girl in the span of just a few days. God had given this young girl, Mary, a godly woman to become her closest friend, her confidant, to live with her and walk alongside of her during this scary and formative time in her life. Think about the mutual encouragement that uh, these two uh, women must have had amongst themselves. Both of them were uh, miraculously expecting a child. Elizabeth was uh, certainly further along in her pregnancy, so she had experienced uh, some of those things that first-time mothers experience. She was probably past the the, the nausea and some of the aches and pains, and uh, she was able to share in some of that experience with Mary as Mary was uh, going to go through all of those steps of pregnancy as well. They became sisters in their experience as they had both uh, heard supernaturally from God in uh, the angel Gabriel coming to speak to, to Mary or to Elizabeth's husband. Uh, both of their babies uh, had been announced by the same angel Gabriel. Uh, both of their unborn sons had also, uh, they, they had mutually fulfilling prophecies. They were going to, uh, both of them, be great men that were used by God, and, and their, their lives and their stories were going to be interwoven uh, throughout time, throughout their story. And John is described as someone who would make a people ready, prepare them for the coming of the Lord. So in all of these things, uh, Mary had this incredible gift, this incredible relationship, this blessing that God had given to her in uh, her relative Elizabeth that she was able to go and to spend time with. <clears throat> Just imagine what that time must have been like for, for Mary and Elizabeth. They probably uh, sat together and, and told stories about how God had been working in their life, the, the things that they had felt in their body as these babies were growing. They they probably prayed together. They probably celebrated together. They probably uh, talked about uh, what it was going to be like when the babies were born and, and made plans for the future together and, and just were, were living through this exciting season uh, together, celebrating what God was doing in their lives. The encouragement that, that went back and forth between those two, 
was certainly a blessing for both of them. But uh, this visitation is what these verses are described as. Uh, they're, they're called the visitation. And this visitation uh, with uh, Mary going to visit Elizabeth, it is a flesh and blood, a practical, tangible story about how God cared for this young girl, Mary. It's about how God directed her to a community of faith, to people who had similar experiences to this humble home where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. <clears throat> and it's where she was linked with people of uh, similar belief, uh, mutual experiences, mutual hope that they, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, were able to walk alongside of Mary during this time because they knew what she was going through because they had had just walked through much of this uh, journey, much of this path themselves. And uh, like Mary, uh, we have to slow down and acknowledge that this gift that God gave her, uh, we have to look for those opportunities as well. We are given those opportunities in the same way that God blessed Mary with a community of people who were like-minded, who had similar experiences, who had similar beliefs, and were able to be an encouragement to Mary. Just like Mary, we have to, to rush to the church in the same way that Mary rushed to Elizabeth's house. When we rush to the church, we find people who have those shared experiences, who are able to be an encouragement to us like Elizabeth was to Mary. Mary's faith, as great as it was, it likely could have faltered uh, if she had not had that community, that fellowship with Elizabeth. So just like Mary hurried off to make her way to living in community uh, with these uh, people, these, these mentors, these family members that were close to her, Zechariah and Elizabeth, we have to place ourselves in fellowship with other people. That's why every single week when we get on here, even though I'm not able to, to, to look you in the eyes and tell you this, I want to tell you this every weekend. It's important for you to be in a community group. It's important for you not to try to live through this social distancing uh, distanced from your church family. It's important for us to, to be there for each other, to encourage each other, to, to, to walk in unity and do all of this difficult stuff together. Even though we can't be together, we have to be together. I hope that makes sense. Uh, Christians experience this uh, encouragement, this, this mutual elevation of our faith, just like Mary and Elizabeth were able to do. They were able to uh, encourage one another. They were able to uh, pray with one another. They were able to share what God had been doing in their lives together. And uh, this incredible relationship that we see is, is such a clear picture for us. Uh, if, if you're sick of hearing me say this, you better just turn it off and, and you better not ever tune in again to, to listen to me preach because uh, this is something that I believe Scripture is very clear about. God is very clear about, and you are not going to stop hearing me say this. The Bible tells us we cannot forsake meeting together. We cannot forsake being an encouragement to one another. Hebrews uh, talks about it, that not forsaking assembling together, not forsaking uh, being uh, an encouragement for one another. Uh, I, I want to share that verse with you guys. Let's see if I can flip over and, and find it real quick. It's not in my notes, so uh, we're just going to see if I can find it. Uh, Hebrews, I believe it's Hebrews chapter 10. 
verses 24 and 25. Yep. It says, let us consider how to stir, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The reason why we gather together, the reason why we uh, spend time together and go to community groups on Zoom together and go to prayer breakfast together and, and spend time uh, on the phone with one another and emailing one another and writing notes to one another, the reason why we do all of these things is to encourage one another to the good deeds that God has for us, to encourage one another to live life in the way that God wants us to live it. Mary's faith may have faltered in this incredibly difficult season that she was going through as she was preparing to give birth to the Messiah, Jesus. In the same way, I know many of us are, are not carrying the Messiah inside of us. I don't think anyone's doing that. But but we are going through a, a difficult and a trying and a testing season. And just like God blessed Mary with community and, and support in uh, Elizabeth, we have been blessed with support and uh, encouragement and uh, people who are there for us if we will take advantage of it. So uh, I hope that this... Uh, spurs in you, spurs in us, a uh, just an understanding of how important it is for us to live in community with one another. Just like Mary did, we have to make it a priority. And we, we have to trust that when God says that this is best, that this is best for us. Just like Mary, let us hurry, let us run to the community of faith, to the encouragement and the fellowship and the, 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 the mutual benefit of being together with other people who have shared our experiences, who share our beliefs. And I hope, I beg and pray, even if it's not in a community group with the Rock Community Church on Zoom, walk in community with people, uh, whether that is your family, uh, whether that is your spouse, whether that is uh, your neighbor that, that lives across the street from you, that you stand on opposite sides of the road and, and stay socially distanced and are able to share what God's doing in your life and, and pray for one another. Whatever that looks like, find a way that you can live in community in the way that the Bible tells us to, in the way uh, that God has encouraged us to, in the way that Mary and Elizabeth, I believe, would encourage us to uh, this morning as we're sitting here talking about it. So with all of that said, would you guys pray together with me now? God, we are so thankful for, um, God, just for your word. Thankful for uh, the fact that, um, God, that it always speaks to us in the perfect moment, in the perfect way. God, we know that this is not just a book, that this is not just a, a book of uh, scraps and, and writings that were written thousands of years ago. But God, you tell us that that your word is alive, that it is active, that it, that it works in the lives of those of us who are yours. God, uh, may the Holy Spirit, in the same way that he worked in Elizabeth, in the same way that he worked in Mary, God, may that Holy Spirit work in our lives. May it uh, push us towards the truth of who you are and uh, push us towards obedience and push us towards a deeper faith and a deeper trust that, uh, God, that you are loving and that you are good and that your way 
for us is always best. So God, as we uh, have looked at this story this morning, God, as we have uh, considered the way that uh, God, that, that you uh, blessed Mary with uh, the encouragement from Elizabeth and, and also with, God, just the, the community and the opportunity that she had to spend time with uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. God, I, I pray that you would help us to, God, just to understand how significant that is, how important that is for all of us. God, whether that is a pastor at a church, whether that is uh, someone who is, is out there listening and has never set foot in a church before, in a church building in their life. God, I pray that you would help us all to realize that, that, that knowing you, that our relationship with you is not something that we get to just figure out for ourselves. God, you have blessed us and given us uh, a church. Uh, you've given us people around us to be an encouragement, to be uh, there and, and ready to give us a hug when we need it or a slap on the back of the head when we need it, to, to help us to live in the way that you tell us to live. So God, I pray that you would uh, use the church today, this week, and in years and years to come. God, use the church, the body of people, to be a blessing to uh, each other. God, to be a blessing to my heart, to be a blessing to uh, each and every one of the people that are listening this morning. God, use the church uh, to be a blessing and to push us towards you uh, instead of away from you. So God, we pray that you would be glorified, God, that you would work and that you would take these words and help us take them to heart uh, at the core of who we are. So God, thank you for your word and for speaking to us this morning. And thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.